Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. Well, good morning. If you want to find a seat, we're going to get into the word here this morning. It's, uh, it's so good to come together in this way this morning and, um, uh, as Kevin said, to maybe see some uh, new faces, but uh, maybe not new to the church, uh, but uh, maybe you are new to the church, and we pray that you would be uh, encouraged in your time here uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the fact that uh, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This is why he came. And I want us to be reminded this morning that he still seeks to save the lost. And um, we're going to be looking at Luke this morning. And then this afternoon, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, This this afternoon, there's going to be a choir and uh, there's going to be a kids uh, program. And the pastor only has like a few minutes to talk. So you'll definitely want to come. Uh, this afternoon, uh, and then we'll have some candle lighting time as well. But uh, just, yeah, it's going to be a great celebration this afternoon. But we want to think about uh, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come uh, to this earth? Uh, well, the world needed rescue. This is why he came. Uh, much of the world did not understand that. Uh, the Israelites, they, they, they were looking for a conqueror. They wanted someone to free them from the tyranny of Rome. Uh, Some wanted a prophet, some want a king, some want a teacher, someone who would come and heal them and help them. Uh, This is all that Jesus is and did on this earth, but that wasn't the specific purpose he came for. It was to seek and to save the lost. We needed rescue. Uh, When you are in danger physically, when you need rescue here on earth, you, you don't really need somebody to come along and say, hey, uh, you need to be rescued, right? Like you, you understand the situation. Uh, back in 2010, you guys maybe remember uh, the situation in Chile. Uh, there was a, a mine that had collapsed there, a mine shaft had collapsed, and there were 33 men who were trapped uh, beneath the ground. They started trying to get to them, and more and more of the shafts continued to, to, to fall apart. There was 770,000 tons of rock separating them from the surface. Like, there was no way they were going to be able to climb out of there themselves, dig themselves out of that. They knew that. They knew that they needed to be rescued. And so they were able to, to get a borehole down to them so they could communicate with them and get them the supplies they needed. And 33 of them huddled in this room they called refuge. And after two months, they were finally rescued. I mean, they, they, they talked about after the fact. I mean, they still are dealing with the trauma of what they went through. Spiritually speaking, we all need to be rescued. Uh, there is a, a weight of sin upon each one of us, and we are separated from God. This was every one of our stories here this morning. 770,000 tons of rock are nothing compared to what separated us from the Lord God. And so we needed a rescue, and I want us to think about that this morning. We're going to look at Luke chapter 19, but before we get into there, let me look, let us pray together, and then we're going to look together at it. God, we... uh, We thank you that you are our Savior this morning. We thank you that as we celebrate Jesus coming to this earth, we celebrate so much more than a baby. We celebrate salvation coming to this earth. And God, I pray for those of us who've known this fact for a long time, God, would you make this fresh in our hearts? Would you once again leave us in awe of what you've done for us? God, I pray that we would worship you fully this morning for who you are. And God, if there will be some here who right now they are separated from you, 
Their, their sins have weighed them down. There is, there is nothing that they can do to get to you. But God, we're so thankful that you've made a way because you've come down to them. Lord, I pray this today that they would see that, that they would place their hope and trust in you and that they too would be rescued. And so God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help this preacher to speak your word in such a way that you are honored and glorified? In your name we pray, amen. Uh, so everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, ushers are happy to get you a copy of God's Word. Uh, we want to look at Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 19, 1 through 10. I'm going to read the text, and then we'll study it together. Beginning in verse 1, he says this, He entered Jericho, Jesus that is, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Five considerations concerning the greatest rescue the world has ever known. Five considerations. First, see the man who needed rescue. See the man who needed rescue. You and I are a lot like Zacchaeus. We, we learn that uh, Jesus had entered Jericho and he was passing through. Just to kind of set the scene, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, since Luke chapter 9, Jesus has set his mind to go to Jerusalem. He's going there for a specific purpose. He's going there to die, to lay down his life for you and I. If that's you and I on that mission, I dare say we would be pretty distracted all the way to Jerusalem. But that's not what we see with Jesus. The whole way from Luke chapter 9 right through to when he gets to Jerusalem, he's ministering to the people around him. Wherever he goes, he is focused on the mission. The mission isn't just to die in Jerusalem. His mission is to meet this man by the name of Zacchaeus in Jericho. And wherever he goes, he teaches, he shows love, he shows compassion to those around him, and he preaches that the lost can be saved. Uh, Luke 18, just a few verses earlier, he had reminded the disciples of why he was going to Jerusalem. They never understood. It says in Luke 18, 31, if you just want to flip back a little bit there, it says this, and taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and, he, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. And then Luke says this, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. But Jesus knew why he was going to Jerusalem. As he's about to get into Jericho, there's this blind man on the side of the road. And he hears that it's Jesus who's coming, and he starts crying out to him, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And, and the Lord heals him of his blindness. This is the setting we have as Jesus now enters into Jericho. And now we're introduced to the man he was about to meet. There was this man by the name of Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, <clears throat> this will probably be hard to understand, but people back then didn't like taxes, okay? I know it, it's hard to understand, okay? It's like some things never change, right? 
And, 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 but, but, but there was so much more to this for the people of Israel. Because these tax collectors, they're collecting the money for who? For Rome. The, 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 the oppressor that is over them. They've been, they've been captured. They've been, they've been uh, held captive by these Romans. And, and they, they don't have the like, country of their own. They've been longing for that country. They're longing for a Messiah to come to free them from the tyranny of Rome. But these tax collectors are reminders of the fact that they are still oppressed. And these tax collectors, they would be like, okay, Rome requires $100 from Scott. Hmm, what will I make the bill today? Right? And they would come and say, hey, Rome requires $110 from you, Scott. Right? They take the $100, they give it to Rome, and then they take the $10, and they just slip it into their pocket. And everybody knew this, but there was nothing they could do about it. And we find out this man by the name of Zacchaeus, he is a chief tax collector. In other words, he's over many tax collectors. He is a Jew himself, but he is, in the opinion of the people around him, he's a turncoat. He has turned his back on his people, and he's working for the enemy. And how is he doing with this? Well, he's rich, we're told. In other words, he's, he's, in a, he's, he's doing really good at earning money off the backs of his own people. So he's not well-liked, as we're going to see, as we've already read, but we're going to dive into it a little bit more as we go along here. Jericho would have been a prosperous trading center, so it's not, it's not just that he's, he's taking advantage of all these people, but also he's in a rich area. So he, he's got all this money, and, and, but he wants to see, verse 3, he, he, or sorry, verse, yeah, verse 3, he's seeking to see who Jesus was. There, there's something in him. He's like, the, the money's not enough. The, the riches aren't enough. I, I got to figure out who this Jesus is. But on the count of the crowd, it says he could not. He was small in stature. All right? Uh, we got, I know we got some of the grades fives and sixes in here. Okay? You understand what it means to be small in stature, right? If there's a big crowd somewhere and you're at the back of that crowd, you're not seeing what they're seeing. I mean, that's just the way it is. Some of you adults can relate, okay? And, 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 and now remember Zacchaeus, what everybody thinks about him. It's not like they're like, oh, Zacchaeus, would you, would you like to go to the front so you could see Jesus, right? Nobody, nobody is giving this guy the time of day. But he he wants to see him. He has to see him. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. Adults, when's the last time you climbed a tree? I mean, it's not something we do. It's not, if you try to do it, it's not pretty. And you're likely to break a bone or something, right? But, But Zacchaeus doesn't care about dignity at this point. He has to see Jesus. And so he, he's like, okay, he's walking down this road. I know he's headed to Jerusalem. He's going to pass by here. There's a tree over there. He runs on ahead, gets ahead of the crowd, and gets into this tree. And, and, and it's the kind of tree that it's easy to climb, which is, was nice for him, right? But it would also give him an excellent vantage point of seeing Jesus pass by because these trees would kind of just, you know how they plant trees on the sides of roads? This was the story here. And, and so he would be able to see Jesus. Nothing's going to prevent him from seeing who Jesus was. It's more than just curiosity. There's something gnawing his soul. He, he has to find out who this guy is. And so he makes every effort to get to him. The question is, Will Jesus want to meet him? Well, we find that out in verses 5 and 6. And here we see the, uh, we understand the urgency of the rescue. Understand the urgency of the rescue. We see in verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Like, just put yourself in Zacchaeus' shoes. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, nobody likes you in town, right? Like, that's just the reality. You got your little tax collector buddies. That's about it. And so nobody's calling you by your name, let alone this guy that you long to meet. But he knows your name. 
And and Luke doesn't tell us how he knew. We don't know. How did he know his name? Was this an example of, of Jesus' divinity and him knowing every single one of our names? Maybe. Did, 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 was there a reputation about this short little tax collector going around Jericho? Well, we don't know. But what we do know is that he looks up and sees Zacchaeus and he tells him, he doesn't ask him, he tells him, he commands him, I must stay with you today. I must. Not like, hey, what do you think about this? I must stay with you. This is, Jesus is showing the urgency to the mission Today, there is no time delay. I must stay at your house. So what you must do now is come down from the tree, come down quickly from the tree. In the same way that Jesus was focused on getting to Jerusalem in time for the Passover, Jesus is focused on the mission in front of him. A wicked tax collector is included in his mission. Why would Jesus even bother talking with such a person who has treated his people so poorly? Why would he even bother talking to someone like that? Why would Jesus want to stay at a person's house who has been ostracized by the rest of the city? Of all the people, why would Jesus choose Zacchaeus? Box says this, Zacchaeus is the model respondent of Jesus' initiative. The request to remain at Zacchaeus' house implies a stay of an unspecified duration. Zacchaeus, who only wishes to get a glimpse of the famous teacher, gets much more. He will host the teacher in his home. The request shows that Jesus accepts Zacchaeus. How could he accept Zacchaeus? I don't know about you, but as I read about this, I, I, I get convicted. Are there people in our world today that I just think, nope, nope, they, they, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna die and they're going to go to hell. That's, that's their story. They deserve it. If I'm being honest, that's what I think, right? They deserve it. I mean, I mean look, at, look at what they've done. It's so easy for even us in the church today to be a whole lot like this crowd. Like, like, There are these people that are a lot like us, and we want to tell them about Jesus, but those people, well, we don't really like those people. We we don't think they they deserve salvation. This is is the heart of so many people in this world. They they have this classifications of of the the, the ones that we would say they're, they're, they're never going to be saved, and then those who we, well, we'd like these people to be saved. But this is not the heart of a Savior. The Savior looks at those who are lost, those who are ostracized by society, those who are down and out. He looks to those and he says, that person can be saved. Now, this is really good news for all of us here this morning. You know why I get to kind of, you know, my high horse and I'm looking down at those people like, yeah, they don't deserve salvation is because I forget that I am that person. But we're all on equal footing here today. There's not one person here who deserves salvation. But I want you to hear this this morning. No matter how much you've sinned, you can be forgiven. This is what Zacchaeus shows us. He has not been a good person. Ironically, his name, Zacchaeus, means righteous. I mean, he's not been living up to his name. He doesn't care about his people. He doesn't care about their future. That's, he's been living for the things of this world. He's found a way that he can get rich. That's what he's been living for. But Jesus sees his soul in his great need. And this morning, if you have not yet been reconciled to Christ Jesus, I want you to hear that there are no sins too great that he can't forgive you. This is what Zacchaeus is showing us. So he says, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go, right? I got to stay at your house. This is, this is his command. 
And what does he do? What does Zacchaeus do? We see in verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. He doesn't delay at the invitation. Well, let me think about it. Uh, do I got any groceries at home? Like, how is this all going to work? He doesn't, right? He doesn't, he's like, are you kidding me? And I don't know if he jumped from where he was, but he got down quickly. And it says that he received him joyfully. This is his immediate response. It is like the shepherds. They were out in the fields at night when they hear about Jesus being born. They, they rush to the place where he was, uh, was born and they rejoice. This is the same wording. And this morning, I pray that we're all rejoicing at who Jesus Christ is. He shows us, Zacchaeus shows us the right response when the Son of God calls you by name. Many of you here today remember the day that the Lord called you for the first time. When you have been walking in your sin and the Lord began to work in your heart and then you're just like, okay, I get it. I get it now. I know who he is. I I understand who he is. And you received him with joy. That weight of sin that you've been carrying was no longer yours, but he had paid the price for you, and you rejoiced that day in your salvation. I'm praying that even now you would do as Zacchaeus did and rejoice at your salvation. If there are some here today, I pray that God would show you that you too can be saved and you would respond as Zacchaeus responded. For Zacchaeus, there had been a longing in his heart just to get to see who Jesus was, and now he's coming to his house. I want us to see now the discern the obstacles in the rescue. Discern the obstacles in the rescue. Is there, are there some things that would prevent people from being rescued on this earth? Well, as we already read, the people were super excited when they seen what Jesus did here, right? They're like, wow. I mean, Jesus loves sinners even like Zacchaeus? This is incredible. Is that their response? That's not their response, which is ironic. I mean, he's not too far from Jerusalem by this time. This has been his ministry for three years. This is the kind of thing he has done over and over again, but this is not who Jesus was supposed to be. It's incredible how the crowd, the people of Israel, continually missed who Jesus was. I mean, even, even when the blind man was crying out in, just outside of Jericho, listen to what they said. Luke 18, 38 and 39. The blind man, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the people around him do? And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Listen, blind person, just quiet. We're trying to enjoy Jesus walking by. We can't wait to see him do something incredible. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm the man in need. Shh, shh, quiet. Can you just imagine them yelling at him to, to quiet down? Not seeing, like, not, instead of being like, hey, look, this is the very person that Jesus came for. And so it should have been with Zacchaeus. He came to seek and to save the lost. But instead, they're grumbling. Verse 7, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. To grumble is to express discontent in an emphatic way, right? This wasn't just something they're thinking. They're like, they're talking to one another. Can you imagine? Like, what in the world? What is Jesus doing? Doesn't he know who this guy is? Going into the home of a sinner? Why do they have such a problem with this? Because Jesus is eating with the enemy. This man's been responsible for cheating them. Was not the purpose of Jesus coming as the Messiah to free them from guys like Zacchaeus? Isn't that why Jesus has come? That's what they think. 
How can Jesus eat with a traitor who takes what we have and gives it to the Romans? For the Jews, this symbolized much more than just eating a meal with someone. Ephel says this, that they they, uh, object because the act of eating and drinking in their society indicated table fellowship, which implied mutual acceptance. How can he accept a guy like him? How can he even be in his presence? We all know that's us holy people can't be around sinners. That's that they missed it, right? But that's how they lived. They were led by the Pharisees. Back in Luke 15, same thing happens. Luke 15, verse 1. Now the, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, same word, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He's like, it's like he has this pattern. He's just continually eating with sinners and tax collectors. How could he do that? Like they totally have missed it, Right? Doesn't Jesus know we're supposed to be separate from sinners? This is what they believed, which brings us to one of the three obstacles to the rescue mission. One of the greatest obstacles from people being rescued is religion. It's religion. Some of you are like, "Uh, are we religious? Well, according to the world, we're religious, yeah. But religion, it's man-made. I mean, think about all the different religions of the world, how they've come about. We love making gods of our own making. This is what the crowd is doing. They have an idea of who, who Jesus is and should be, And that's what they're sticking with. It doesn't matter all the evidence of his entire ministry. That doesn't matter. We know who Jesus is. And as he's about to go into Jerusalem, guess what? They're going to cry out, Hosanna, for that is who he is. But they think he's there to begin to take down the Romans. That's not why he's here. They've missed it. They, 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 they want Jesus to, to be who they want him to be, just like billions of people on this earth today, right? People of Islam, Jesus was a prophet. End, right? Was he a prophet? Yeah, he was a prophet. So much more than a prophet, though. Some people think he's a good teacher. He had some good lessons. We should, you know, that Matthew 5 to 7 thing, that's really good. We should try to live by that. He's a great teacher. Was he a great teacher? He's a great teacher. Was he more than a teacher? Yes, he's more than a teacher. He's one of many gods. Nope. But we all have, right? We all have this thing. And even in the church, we have Jesus is of our own making. He's a, he's a healing God. He's going to heal everybody. Is that true? Well, from your sins, for sure. But they make him just the healer, and they miss all the rest. He's going to bless us. What's that mean? He's going to give us a bunch of money. We just got to have faith, and he'll make us rich. That's what they want from Jesus. And they forget the rest. How do we avoid making Jesuses of our own making? Is by picking up this book and reading who he really is. Lots of people, sorry, I'm sure that's getting annoying. I will just stop. <clears throat> Lots of people want to make Jesus into their own making. But Jesus won't do that. He is who he says he is. 
He is King of kings and Lord of lords. But he's also our Savior. He is a healer. He does bless. He is a judge. On and on it goes. And so we need to make sure that the Jesus that you and I are worshiping this morning is not a Jesus in our own image, but the Jesus of the Bible. Religion keeps so many people away from salvation. Making Jesus into be somebody he's not. Another thing that stops people from being saved is their pride. A lot of people are like this crowd. They don't don't need a rescue. We're good people. We're holy people. We got it figured out. We don't need Jesus to be our savior. We can save ourselves. You know, this is how it works. I just do more good than bad, and I get into heaven. Clearly, that's what the scriptures say. Is that what the scriptures say? That's not what the scriptures say, just so we're clear. No one can earn their way into heaven, but we think that we are good enough. All these religions, they come up with a system. Okay, here are the rules. This is who this God is, and then here's his rules, and if you follow those rules, then you get to go to eternity, whatever they call eternity. Where's where's the emphasis there? It's all on you. It's all on you. You can earn your salvation. And the Bible is clear, there is no one can earn their salvation. We must instead humble ourselves before the Lord. We must admit that we're basically not good people. That we're actually sinners. That the just thing would be our condemnation. This is what we must do if we are to be saved. But for a lot of people, it's like, forget it. This is not true. I know me. I'm a good person. Just ask me. Right? We, we, we naturally think well of ourselves. And so in our pride, we fail to see that we are sinners, that there is no one who does good, not even one. Not even one. No one here can earn their way into heaven. But praise God, Jesus has made a way for us to get into heaven. We need to be warned about being self-righteous. Just again, the last chapter, Luke 18, Jesus tells them this parable. He warns us against being self-righteous. He told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says this, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, idolaters, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Man, he's a good guy. Good guy, right? So he thinks. He doesn't see the sin of his own life. He, he's doing a comparison righteousness, right? He's just saying, I'm better than this tax collector. I know that for sure. So I guess I'm going to heaven. It doesn't work that way. And then, he, and then what about the tax collector? What, what does he say? But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That could actually be translated, be merciful to me, the sinner. The sinner. That's how he sees himself. I, I alone am a sinner. He's not comparing himself to, to anyone else saying, oh, I'm better than that person or I'm better than that person. No, he, he knows that he is the sinner who needs to be saved. And he's asking for mercy. This is the only way to salvation. 
And, and, and as, as you and I, who the majority of us here who've grown up in the church, we need to be reminded of this over and over and over again. If there's any good in your life, it's because of God's mercy and grace in your life. It's not because all of a sudden you're better than everybody else around you. It's only by his grace. And so Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified, saved, just as if he had never sinned, rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This morning, that's our prayer, that you would not allow your pride to prevent you from being rescued. We are all trapped beneath the weight of our sin and separated from God, all of us. But God has sent us a rescuer who is Jesus Christ the Lord. None of us get to God without acknowledging our need for a Savior. So there are an obstacle of religion. There's the obstacle of our pride. And then thirdly, there's the obstacle of riches. This is a warning for all Canadians. We, we tend to think of ourselves, you know, it's like, well, I'm not Jeff Bezos, right? I don't have a gazillion dollars. I'm poor, but you are rich compared to the rest of the world. That's just statistically, you can't argue that. We're all rich compared to the rest of the world. And so when we, we're warned about riches and how they can prevent us from getting into heaven, we need to heed that warning. Here's the thing that I've noticed as I've been able to travel around the world. When you get to a place that is a third world country, they got time to talk about God. They, 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 they know they, they can't do life on their own. They need something or someone to help them. There's an openness to, to hear about God. But here, why do I need God? Why? I got everything I need. Like it's, it's for the weak people. It's for, it's for people who, who need a crutch in their life. I don't need God. The riches is all that I need. I got money. That's all that I need to get what I want in this earth. And so Jesus just had met a fella. He's called the rich young ruler. Again, just in the previous chapter here. And, he, and, he, and we see what happens with him in Luke 18. And Jesus had said, hey, um, he comes up to Jesus and said, hey, I, I, what must I do and inherit an eternal life? And he's like, well, you got to follow the commandments. He's like, check done it all. But Jesus, he knew his heart. So he says in verse 22, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? It's interesting, right? They were like, rich people can't be saved? I mean, obviously, they're the ones God has blessed. What do you mean they can't be saved? This was hard teaching for them. But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God, which I love is like foreshadowing this text where we're reading right now. So Jesus revealed to this man that he loved what? He loved money more than he loved God. He, he, he loved the things of this world more than he loved those around him. I mean, objectively, when you look at the offer, it's a pretty amazing deal, right? Like, give up all that you have right now, and you will have treasure in heaven. How long is heaven? Oh, just eternity, Right? So just give up what you have for this short time, follow me, and this is all you have. Now, notice Jesus didn't say, well, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. How about 10%? Would you give that? No, Jesus knows his heart, and he knows that this man, what he needs is to repent of his love of money. And without that repentance, he will never find God. It says in Luke 16, 13, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. To be rich can be an obstacle. 
And we need to recognize that this morning. Are you trusting in money more than you are trusting in the Lord? Then once again, I would pray that you would follow the pathway of Zacchaeus and not that of the rich young ruler. Because Jesus is about to show us that nothing is impossible with God when it comes to salvation. I want us to see, observe the evidence of the rescue. Observe the evidence of the rescue. We see this in verses 8 and 9. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus. Nothing is impossible with God. I love how he, he was like, Hey, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than to be saved if you're a rich person. And now he's like, watch this. The Lord can change anyone's heart. He can save anybody. Rich people who have sinned greatly against God are not outside the salvation of God. This is great news for you and I this morning. We're not told about the conversation that took place, right? Like, great response. What was the lead up? Right? What, what was the conversation between the sycamore tree and getting to his house? What, what was the conversation as they're sitting there? We don't know, but we know this. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus. He, he's, he has a changed heart. Everything is different now. He, he went from being a man who was taking advantage of everyone around him and saying, instead, now I want to take care of the disadvantaged. I want to take care of the poor. He, he had been walking in this direction, and now he's going in the complete opposite direction. This is a sign of salvation. Hey, if I've defrauded anyone, and oh, by the way, I know I have. That, that's the indication here. He knows he has. I'm going to pay back fourfold. He's getting this from the law. This is where he, he, he's getting his numbers from, and he's taking it to the greatest extent. He's not trying, like, okay, there's this law over here where you've got, got to give, like, 10%. No, he's like, I'm going, to, I'm going to pay back four times the amount. Again, it's the indication of a changed heart. He wants to make right that which was wrong. And this is what salvation does for the people of God. We are changed. We are born again and made a new creation when we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. This is what's happened in this man's life. One commentator wrote, when a person is truly repentant, it affects how they view and use money. At the very least, money is no longer their God. Jesus Christ is. They don't look to cheat people for money. Instead, they look to bless people with their money. They become givers rather than takers because they've been set free from greed and idolatry. A converted man is a generous man. This is, this is how the gospel changes someone's life. This morning, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're no different than you've ever been, then you need to wonder whether you have truly come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He radically changes our whole affections. He doesn't care about the things of this world anymore. It's just an incredible thing. Isn't it amazing when you, when you get to meet people who have been saved? Right? When you, when you get to witness it, maybe you get to witness it over these Christmas holidays. You're going to get into a conversation again with a relative and... and you're like, okay, here we go again. But, but it go, now it goes a different direction. And they're like, I'm ready. I've been thinking about this since last Christmas. And, and I want to follow this Jesus. And then you start seeing like all these differences in them. They were like this. Now they're like this. Like this is what God does. He frees us from our sins. We're no longer enslaved to the sin, <coughs> sin that once enslaved us. That, that's what Jesus does. Instead, we follow him. Do what he would call us to do. 
Jesus affirms what's going on here. This is not a works-based thing. Okay, if I do this, can I now can I now get saved? No, Jesus is saying, this man's heart's been changed. He's become a son of Abraham. What's he mean by that? Well, if you know Romans chapter 4, you know that the true sons of Abraham are those who have placed their faith in the Lord. They, they, the Lord makes a promise, and they believe, and it's counted to them as righteousness. And this man believes that he can be forgiven through Jesus Christ and has counted to him as righteousness. He has become a child of God. Salvation has now come to his home. Which brings us to our last point. Worship the one who is the rescuer. Worship the one who is the rescuer. Why has this all happened? This chance meeting. Was this a chance meeting? No, this was a divine meeting. This was God knew before the foundation of the world he was going to show up at Zacchaeus' house. Like, isn't that awesome to think? Isn't that awesome to think that he has done the same for you? It says in verse 10, why has this happened? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This sums up Jesus' entire ministry. It is the, the culmination of all that Luke has been writing about in the Gospel of Luke. He has come to seek and to save the lost. Note that he has come to seek the lost. Maybe we need to define once again who are the lost. Luckily, everyone here has experienced the feeling of being lost. I got to experience it again this last week. It's so great. I was at Market Mall. All right. I'm looking at the little board. I'm where? And I'm supposed to go where? And so I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't figure it out. I'm getting a little worried. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I used to kind of pride myself. I'm good at directions. Now I'm not so much. So anyway, so I... I wander through the mall in a direction. I feel like at some point i got to hit it, right? And, and I get to another one of those little signs. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's look again. And, and there's another guy around the same age as me come up to this thing. He's like, can you read that thing? And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. And, and he's like, I've walked around the mall several times now, and I don't even know where I've parked, <laughs> right? Like, that's lost, Right? Like, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you came from. That's lost. And so I, I did the best I could. I was like, I think this is here, and this is here, and I think that's how we're supposed to go. I mean, that's, that's us spiritually. Like, that's our story. Every single one of us lost. You get together, and you're like, ah, oh, I didn't. I found, like, this book was super helpful, you know, and, like, it's helped me kind of have more meaning, and, and this person over here had their idea, and we all kind of, you know, went and just continued to be just as lost as we always were. But Jesus is like, okay, they're never going to find their way to me. So he came to us. Isn't that incredible? Like, as we celebrate Christmas, as we think about what Jesus has done for us, like, he's like, they can't do it. He knew how lost we were. He knew that we needed rescue. So he came to us instead. He's an incredible, merciful, and gracious God. Bach says this, Jesus' mission is to initiate relationships with those who do not know God and call to them to come to know him. He did it while he was here on this earth, and he's still doing it today, and he will continue to do it until he returns. All around this world, even on this day, he's calling new people to come and know him. He comes and seeks us because none of us would seek him. None of us would know how to get to him. Do you remember that day? I pray that as you celebrate this Christmas, you think about the day when Jesus first called your name. For me, I was 10 years old. I, 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 I still remember 
Is this things that you remember? I don't remember a whole lot about 3 and 10, but I do remember that day, and I remember hearing the, the speaker and just feeling this conviction of my heart. I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. He would save me if I, if I just placed my hope and trust in Him, if I confessed to Him that I have sinned against Him and, and placed my trust in Him, He will save me from all my sins. And I remember just like this joy as a 10-year-old, I, I, I still have these images. I'm in the back seat of the car, and we're driving home, and I just have this inner joy. It's like, God, God save me. Now began the journey of my life with him. I pray everyone has that story here, that you have a Zacchaeus story. I was walking this way, but God, he called me. He said, I must be with you today. And you answered that call, and now you're following him. What an awesome Savior. This Christmas, this is why we celebrate. His coming to this earth meant the greatest rescue of all. Lost sinners saved through Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord, we worship you this morning. For you have saved us from our sins. And God, we're... Asking, Lord, as we celebrate this season, God, would, would that just bring fresh joy to our hearts today? May we be so in awe of the fact that you have saved us that we can't help but go and tell others about the fact that they too can be saved. Lord, thank you that you use your church, you use the body of Christ to go and to, to, into all the world to proclaim this good news. And that, Lord, as we proclaim this good news that sinners can be saved, God, you're calling people name by name and calling them to be your, to be your children. And, God, I pray that even this morning that there may be some here today or some watching online that you would call to be your own. And that today, for the first time, they would see the urgency of the call, that they would repent and place their hope and trust in you. God, make them your own, we pray, even now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca.